I am George Knapp listening to That UFO Podcast and having one hell of a good time. That UFO Podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. I am delighted to welcome for his second appearance on the pod, uh, acclaimed, famed researcher, author and host of his own excellent White House UFO YouTube channel, uh, Mr. Grant Cameron. Grant, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Glad to be on. I'm very glad to have you. A very popular guest. And as soon as I said you were coming back on, people were asking me when it was going to be released already. So this is one folks are definitely looking forward to. Um, Grant, the last time we spoke, it was May 2021. For anyone who's not heard that, they can go back and check that one out. Uh, At the time, the UAP task force report was on the horizon. A lot has happened since then. In the year since that report was released, what for you has stood out as being real progress in the disclosure movement? Well, first of all, I, I guess I could point out that the fact that it's even happening. I mean, I'm, I've been in this since 1975, and I never in my wildest dreams ever believed this would happen. I remember I tell the story that I was at an ex-conference run by Steve Bassett a number of years back. And at the end of the conference, they had a, a panel. We were all sitting on the stage and they were taking questions from the audience. And one of the audience people asked, when do you think disclosure is going to take place? So the first person said, oh, six months. Next person said a year whatever. And it came to me and I said, 2042. And I remember Steve Bassett's face just dropped. He's like, how could you possibly say this? I never, ever believed this would happen. Not not in a million years. I, I, um, I even wrote an article Back in 2009, the 64 reasons why the government had decided not to tell you the truth. So I'm somewhat surprised. I first learned about this in 2016 that this was going to happen before anything ever happened. Uh, I was in contact with Chris Bledsoe and I was in contact with a guy out of Philadelphia who were both um, on the inside of of what was going on. And I knew then that uh, they were going to drop this thing. And they were referring to at that time, what was called the big man in Washington. And that was Jim Semivan. So Jim Semivan was basically behind this. He's now admitted this. I have it in my 2017 book called Managing Magic. I'm the first to bring up Jim Semivan's name and the fact that he was this major figure. And he has now stated that he went to all the intelligence agencies, uh, the head, head of all the intelligence agencies said and said to them, you guys can't get this out. Um, I, we're going public with this thing. We're going to take it. And we're going to we're going to drop this thing. And the apparently, according to Jim Semivan, all the heads of the intelligence agencies said, "Yeah, okay, go ahead and keep us posted." And he said, "We're not going to drop any classified material." So what happened was that Jim Semivan, uh, they had been in contact with uh, Lou Elizondo and uh, Tom DeLong. And as I always point out, that people think, well, you know, this just sort of accidentally happened. Uh, but you got to remember that Leslie Kane was notified at the New York Times that this was going to happen. And Lou Elizondo re- resigned in the morning. And uh, Leslie Kane was there in the afternoon with the New York Times. And so now he's retired. That's the one of the things you got to remember is that the people who are pushing this issue are former they're retired people. They don't have to really worry about their jobs and stuff like that. So Leslie Kane was in there. Uh, Hal Putoff was in the meeting. Um, um, Jim Semivan was in the meeting. And there was a contractor in the meeting. I'm not sure who the contractor was. But this this was all planned. And then that's when the New York Times dropped the story. And if you've listened to George Knapp, he knew the story was coming. I heard stories and the story was coming. There was even, um, I, I did some postings. I did some YouTube analysis on this a couple of years back. And I even showed that um, at the very end, people were saying, well, Tom DeLong's full of it. This is this garbage. I mean, he's just making up another story. And remember two days before the actual New York Times article dropped, uh, Tom DeLong actually posted on Twitter, I think it was, and said, another delay, ugh. Like he, even he was starting to believe it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to happen. So when they dropped this in 2017, this was all planned. 
this is all orchestrated by this group of people, uh, Lou Elizondo, Mellon. Um, and Mellon didn't even believe. Uh, Mellon was on a broadcast with me in 2016 on Coast to Coast. I was on the first two hours. He was on the third hour. He came on after me and said, no, I don't believe it. There, If there was a UFO cover-up, I would have known about it. I don't believe it's happening and stuff. So he was only read in recently and uh, he joined the team and you have this this team of people who decided it was time to get it out. So it's very positive that we've finally gotten to the point where uh, we've gotten over that hump. Uh, all, all the years that I've been in this, I've always referred to it as the Rodney Dangerfield. And I don't know, it's sort of a newer audience, I don't know, but people knew who Rodney Dangerfield was. He was always this guy that always felt everybody was against him and, uh, you know, I'm so unlucky. And I called us the Rodney Dangerfield of the UFO, of the scientific community. It was like you could talk about anything in science, but don't talk about UFOs because people will just they will have no respect for you. But what this disclosure initiative has done uh, is not released so much material, but it has released the fact that this is for real. So you can actually talk to your friends and neighbors now, and they're not going to sort of blush, brush you off. We've gotten over that hump. And that's what it basically comes down to in terms of these issues is any issue of consciousness. So whether it was, uh, you know, women's right to vote or gay rights or gay marriage or anything like this, you can go and ask people, when did this first happen? Uh, and people will say, well, I don't know, it was about, what, 20 years ago? And they, they have no idea because these things just happen. They just sort of flip. And uh, I made the expression that when the New York Times article came out, we I remember Stephen, ba- or Stephen Greer used to talk years ago about the fact that when this thing becomes known, uh, the stock market is going to melt down. People are going to realize oil is not worth anything and all this sort of stuff. And the point was, when the New York Times article dropped, what happened? Absolutely nothing. Because the consciousness was ready. It was like people went, yeah, okay, okay, we know that already. Okay, now tell us tell us where they're coming from and stuff like that. So we were over that hump where we can now talk about it, where it's not the you know this ugly issue that we're trying to stay hidden in the closet. And now the issue is to raise consciousness towards the next issue of, of what it is, where it's coming from. Uh, but the idea of UFOs exists is, is actually um, uh, out there. Uh, what, one of the problems that we have in the UFO community, because you and I, maybe we know about all this stuff. We've, 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 we've accepted it. Like, for example, in 1975, I had five close uh, encounters with, the, with these objects. So I knew. I I'd never, ever tried to prove UFOs exist. I could care less. I mean... It's like this new stamp that the Ukrainians put out where the guy is on the shore of Snake Island and he's giving the finger to the uh, the, the warship, the Russian warship. I mean, that was like me. I, I couldn't have cared less. If you believe it, believe it. I don't care. Uh, people usually knew that you don't argue with me because I'll sit there and talk until you fall over. So they would just don't don't get them going. Don't don't talk. So we, we've gotten to this issue where consciousness has been raised, where it's now a, an open issue. And unfortunately, because... Uh, the you, the public community is behind. We have to do these public hearing things. So what we're, we're doing is we're replowing the same field again. So we're bringing up Lou Elizondo and Salas and all this kind of stuff. And we're we're people are getting frustrated because oh, it's the same stuff. They're talking about the same stuff they were. But for us, it's the same stuff. But for the general public, that's what that's the, that's what this is pointed at with the, the general public. In fact, I may even be doing a, a, an episode of this in Canada doing the same thing that Brazil is doing in Canada. I'm just at the point where I'm setting it up and making sure we have the witnesses on board and the the government people on board. Uh, But I'm going to try to do the same thing. And that's for the general public, to get the general public up to speed in terms of what's going on. But for most of the UFO community, this is kind of boring stuff because it's the same stories all the time. And and, uh, people get sort of frustrated. They want the next step to take place. But the way it works is you have to sort of bring everybody along. You've got to get the rest of the public up to speed. And that, I think, is what's going on, whether it's the U.S. uh, congressional hearings or whether it's the Brazilian hearings. And in terms of the United States, um, I had released this, um, leaked this document, the Wilson leak document, which um, a lot of people said they were absolutely shocked that this thing has actually been read into the into the congressional record that now yeah. this is a matter of, and, and I know Eric Davis was probably pretty upset with me that I uh, eventually got this document out and, and I had someone else leak it for me because I knew Eric Davis and Hal put off and I knew all these people and I didn't want to be the one to drop it. There was a number of other people who had the document. Uh, they got it from me or they, they found it on the internet early who didn't release it as well. But 
I mean, that's the situation that you're at where that document alone can break the cover up. It has enough material in it. And all they have to do now is have a hearing, not with uh, the these uh, minister, these defense people, because what the government is doing is they're putting up defense people who don't know anything. And that's what people got to realize that in the government, 99.9999% of people have no clue what's going on. So you can take somebody who's in the Pentagon and put him out there and he's never heard about UFOs. He doesn't know what's going on. He wasn't in the program. He wasn't right in. And he'll sit there and say, well, you know, I don't, I think it's drones or whatever. That's what the government is doing to try to keep the, the sort of the lid on top of this thing. Uh, but all you need is one congressional hearing where Eric Davis is there. Hal Putoff is there. Lou Elizondo is there. They're sworn uh, to, uh, to, to uh, tell the truth. And they are given a wave of clearance where they can talk about whatever they want. And that's it. Game over, set, match. It's it's game over. If you get Eric Davis uh, and say Elizondo and help put off up in front of a congressional hearing, then they're going to talk about the, the crash material and all this kind of stuff, which so far is, is hidden. And you can't really blame them for hiding it because that's the whole deal. The guys that control this, it's all about getting this before the Russians, because I'll always maintain that it's not the metals, it's the consciousness aspect that you've got to watch. That's what they're on top of and they don't want to release. You mentioned the Wilson Davis memo, Grant, and that was Congressman Mike Gallagher, who I think for many people stole the show with his line of questioning, his submission of the documents into public record. What was your reaction when you heard him submit that or was it something you had wind of beforehand? Uh, I didn't know they were going to submit it. I didn't even know they were going to bring it up because, uh, the, as you know, there's a lot of controversy in the UFO community as to, you know, the document, whether it was real and stuff. And I knew it was real right from the word go. I mean, I knew because um, on the Wilson leak document, uh, the whole thing had been set up by um, Oak Shannon, if you remember in the document. And I was in contact with Eric Davis when this when this memo thing took place. I didn't know he had written it, but I was in contact with him and I knew he was close friends with Oak Shannon. In fact, there's a set of there's a document that I was given, uh, which are Oak Shannon's notes to the 1985 meeting. If you remember, John Alexander held a thing where they were trying to break the UFO cover up in 1985, and they had uh, top secret SCI. Every day had a top secret SCI clearance. They were in a they were in a secure vault in in uh, the on the East Coast, and they were talking about UFOs. Well, I was given Oak Shannon's notes. Now I have not released them. I'm not allowed to release them until Oak Shannon dies. But um, I was given this by Eric Davis. So I knew that Eric Davis and, and Oak Shannon were close friends. And so I was not really surprised about the document. I was surprised they read it in. And uh, I think you're referring to um, uh, Gallagher's a woman, I think. It, was, it wasn't. And one of the things I pointed out to people. No, it's got the a, young, young gentleman. Yeah, there's, there's the one, the girl who did the first um, uh, draft. Uh, Gillibrand, uh, I think that's yeah, yeah, Gillibrand. Gillibrand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people got to remember with Gillibrand that um, you got to look at her background because I always see people, do you know who she actually actually is? And they say, well, yeah, she's a senator. And I say, from what state? And they say, New York. And I say, who? how did she get her seat? And she got her seat when Hillary Clinton went to the State Department. So she has Hillary Clinton's seat. And you got to remember Hillary Clinton was the one that started. It was, it, was, it was John Podesta and it was Hillary Clinton that basically started this whole thing. They wanted this thing disclosed. If you recall, it was supposed to be in the fall of uh, 2015, but it didn't happen until spring of 2016, where she was on the Kimmel show and she brought up the fact that they're now called UAPs. That was supposed to have happened six months before, but but she wasn't asked a question on, on this on this talk show. And so and she brings it up and it was her and John that actually pushed this whole thing. And I was being told in 2016, they're going to drop this thing. Uh, it's, it's coming out. And because Hillary lost the election, that's why they had to retool the whole thing. And the, they exposed the three main witnesses, McCas McCaslin, uh, uh, McKay and Robert Weiss from Rock Lockheed Skunk Works. They had to take off because they were exposed in the WikiLeaks email dropped from John Podesta. So it was all sort of uh, planned beforehand. And um, I think the, the Wilson leak thing was just an accidental uh, thing that I happened to get. And it had, and I always said the cover up will break when this, when this document is fully understood or, or leaked and stuff. So it's in the memo and uh, the next, um, it, hopefully some of the senators will take it. And I do know that one experiencer has had a U.S. Senator at his home trying to see something. And that's what you've got is you've got senators now who are very interested. They're secretly behind the scenes trying to read material on it, get material, talk to people. 
And the same thing's happening in Canada. There's a, a member of parliament here in Canada who con- I was contacted to provide him all the Wilbur Smith material, all the thousands of pages of material from the early Canadian government. He's in the opposition party here in Canada, and he requested that. And then he went to uh, all the different researchers, and he went to, to Mellon, he went to Putoff, he went to uh, Elizondo, gathered a lot of material. So that's what you see with these with these government people. They don't want to be upfront about what they're doing, but behind the scenes, uh, I can assure you that these senators have caught on and a lot of them are very interested in this whole thing. And it's no longer a thing where you you lose your seat when you sort of bring this thing up. So um, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged with what's going to happen. It's the whole idea is when the next hearing takes place and do we go to public hearings where we get to bring in people like Eric Davis and Hal Putoff and Lou Elizondo, who, if they are waived, their security clearances waived, uh, will basically tell the American people what's actually going on. You mentioned senators visiting experiencers, uh, and you may or may not be in a position to say, but would that be places like the Bledsoe Ranch? Yes. Well, he's not a ranch, but uh, Chris Bledsoe yeah, uh, property, got a yeah. lot of contacts. So, yeah, I don't know if Chris has made it public, but yes, there, that was one of the uh, that was one of the places that this this senator visited. And I'm not sure which senator it was, but that's the thing is you're getting these senators who are. Uh, behind the scenes, very interested. It was the same as there was a lot in the past, but like Barry Goldwater, I've got all his files, 190 pages. He used to correspond regularly with people who wrote him letters and stuff like that. And they would ask him about this famous story where LeMay, he asked LeMay to go in the blue room at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And LeMay tells him, uh, you know, be quiet, don't ever bring this thing up again or I'll court-martial you. And uh, so, you know, and he was, uh, Goldwater was the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee at one point. So he was a fairly major guy, but he had uh, made a phone call to um, um, now what's his name um, from SAIC. Um, he was the guy that ran the back engineering program for. He was rumored to run, but anyway, he made a phone call uh, to him on behalf of Stephen Greer. Stephen Greer said, "Phone him up," and he phoned him up, and his daughter had said um, she had never seen her father so scared, and he never talked about UFOs again. So. They backed him off, but now the cat's out of the bag. There's no way they're going to put this thing back in the bag. What they're trying to do is just sort of throw things in the way to try to slow it down. But uh, Congress is separate. It's a separate branch of government than than the executive branch. And there's not much the executive branch can do uh, if Congress wants to have their hearing and bring them in. In Canada, we're trying to get get a, a hearing in the House of Commons. That we're not going to get, but I think we can have a hearing where we have uh, uh, parliamentary members uh, actually asking questions on an online uh, session with uh, top level uh, witnesses to sort of educate the Canadian people as to what's going on. You mentioned some names like Lou Elizondo, Eric Davis, Hal Putov, and, and some of those have said already, that especially Lou, he'd be open to, to standing in front of Congress and testifying. There are, are, are other names, for example, Admiral Wilson and others, who it'd be great to have those individuals there, but many would say it's fear of prosecution or the lack of any immunity that's holding that back. Gary Nolan has recently said that immunity language is almost fully drafted, and that's something they're hoping to bring forward. Have you got any inkling as to any individuals that may come forward if they're granted full immunity, given what their roles may have been in this cover-up potentially? Well, you, you basically, I guess the, what you'd have, I used to call them the Avery back in the 1990s. I put out the list. I was one of the first people to put out the list. And these are a lot of people like Kit Green uh, has a lot of knowledge. Jacques Vallée has a lot of knowledge. Uh, these are people who had security clearances who are now retired, uh, but still have to be at their security clearance. I guess what it would come down to is what we, we used to call the Avery. Now they're called the Invisible College or uh, the, um, I can't remember what they call them now, the the cosmic, the cosmic club, the cosmic group, or something, and this is like this uh, invisible college of uh, fifty or more people that um, are. Uh, one of them ones would be um, Tim Taylor, whose his name has been around. Uh, is that he, the fight, fight club that uh, Diana Pasolka mentioned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he his name has been mentioned a number of times. Uh, he has clearances from all the agencies: CIA, NSA, NASA. Uh, he's got a very good knowledge. So it's these type of people from the from the Invisible College. Some of the government people that might come forward, I guess the main one would be Wilson, that Wilson tried to look into this. Uh, but if you get uh, congressional subpoenas, 
you have all the names in the, in the Wilson leak document where you can grab all those people and pull them forward. Because I fully believe that all the material in that document is, is pretty, um, pretty uh, clear. It, it's a real document. And what you got to remember is that um, there's a lot of people that can be named. I think uh, basically, I think Danny Sheen had said that when they went in for Lou Elizondo, when he was fighting for Lou Elizondo, he was basically going to name everybody, all the people that were involved and force the Pentagon to investigate all these people. So they know, you know, who's who's involved in whatever. Um, and the, those people can be subpoenaed and uh, that would break that open. It's, it's a matter of the fact that the Congress is sort of, you know, sidestepped now with with the uh, midterm elections and with this uh, January 6th committee and stuff like that. But eventually we're going to have a, a hearing where um, somebody like Eric Davis, I say, is the biggest. Because what people forget is Eric Davis wrote that that those notes in 2002. And I know people he was talking to that were high, much higher level than, than Wilson at the time. And um, Eric Davis has an intelligence background. People don't realize that he had U.S. Air Force intelligence before he uh, got into, you know, the scientist thing. And uh, so he knows how intelligence works. He's got all sorts of connections. So if he knew that in 2002, what are in those notes, you can imagine what Eric Davis knows now. And you can imagine what Hell Putoff knows, because that's basically what this has happened is, is I, you know, I always said with the Avery or with the Invisible College or whatever you want to call these guys, I said, you may agree with these guys or disagree with these guys. But when Jim Semivan talks, when Eric Davis talks, when Hell Put Off talks, make sure you tape it. Make sure you take uh, notes because these guys will slip on the, the occasional time and they'll say something. And these guys know what's going on. And what they had done is they had gotten together together. So it works the same as any other club is you have a security clearance and they're trying to figure it out as well. So they had this, this group, which was the Avery, which would meet from time to time and they would get together and what's up and, and what do you know? And what do you know? And they would all exchange stories. They wouldn't talk to the people on the street because it was all classified, you know, high level stuff, but they're trying to figure it out as well, because I don't think anybody has the answer to this thing. I don't think anybody knows because I think when, as I said earlier, I think when this all comes down, this is going to come down to a consciousness interface. This is going to come down to the fact that this is not as physical as people think it is. And that's the part that they're, you'll, you'll see in the government, nobody ever talks about ETs because I think they, they know it's more complex than ETs. That's why they'll call them the others and things like that. They, they realize that this is, Jim Semivan said, there's no there there. And he's a guy who had face-to-face uh, -face contact with these beings. And he basically says, I don't know what's going on. And, and I think that's what it is. It's almost like, I think it was Heisenberg said, the universe is not only more amazing than you think it's more amazing than you can ever imagine. And I think that same, same thing is going to become to you, with UFOs that is more, more amazing than you can ever imagine, that the more you look at the UFOs, the more complex this thing gets. I even heard a story, a friend told me a story. Um, he had with a group and um, he had been shown a film USA a government official film. I'm not sure what the date was or what the agency was, but he and a couple other people had been shown this film and it showed a UFO morphing. Now, if that's true, it's, it's game over because we're sitting there with UFO sightings. As I said, we're trying to replow the same field. It's like this sighting, that sighting, you know, Rendell's from Forest and, and uh, you know, aerial school. And we tell these stories and stuff like that. But um, when you come down to it, it's going to be this, this very, very complex, uh, thing where uh, you're looking at UFOs and you're categorizing the sizes or whatever, and the thing can change shape and size anytime it wants. So what's the point of covering UFO sightings? Because the thing's just making a change. I remember even in 1975, I had two sightings. I didn't remember this until we got into this sort of uh, discussion about this morphing thing and, and can they appear as whatever they want. Um, in 1975, I had two sightings, two of my close sightings that came right at me. But when they started, they were one object. And when they got to me, they were another object, completely different object. And it had changed on the way in, coming in from, from the horizon. So you can see that these things can change shape. They can change size. And even if you, I don't know if you've interviewed uh, UC Ronan from uh, Israel, he wrote a book called One, this idea that it's all one thing, the, the oneness of the universe and stuff like that. That was the message he got from these green beings and what they told him in these in in their discussion was when we come to your world we can take on whatever shape and size or we want and you can do the same thing you just don't know it we need a body in your in your 
in your when we come to visit you, but we don't we don't have a body, so we take this on. And I always refer to people a, a very important story that everybody should take very close contact with, and that's the story that Leslie Kane tells about the being with the physical medium in Great Britain, where she goes to Stuart Alexander's place, and she said she had seen this on a number of occasions, where she sits at this little table, it has a red light under it, and she says this watery stuff comes up on top of the table, and it, it starts to form this arm and this hand, and she says she feels the hand, and it, she said it's as real as a real hand. She can feel the knuckles. It's warm. It's soft like a child's hand or whatever. Then the, the hand bangs on the, on the table, and then it just sort of dematerializes off the table. That's what's happening with the UFO thing. They're coming in, they're materializing, and then they're dematerializing. So people that think that's just some ET that came in with a with a with a ship and metal or whatever, it's way beyond that. And I've learned that in f- almost fifty years of doing this, that the more I look at it, the more I investigate it, the more complex it gets, the weirder it gets. And it's almost like they're showing a pattern because if you take a look, there's a definite pattern. UFOs started in like eighteen ninety five. There were wooden ships with propellers and sails, and there was guys hanging down off of ropes and said, "Oh, we're from Mars." And that was when we discovered the canals on Mars. So everybody thought, oh, yeah, they're from Mars. These, and, and then you get in the 1950s, they're all human type beings. And they're flying with these ships with windows in them, with the balls under them. And then in the 1960s, these classic saucer things come out. And then 1975, I see a triangle. Um, no, almost nobody saw a triangle before 1975. Then other people saw triangles. Billy Cox saw a triangle in 1978 from, from uh, you know, who does the UFO blog. And um, you see the triangles appear and then you see the ground traces and then the ground traces stop. There has not been, as far as I'm concerned, there's not been a ground trace in 20 years. They have not landed. They don't have windows in them anymore. And you see that the UFOs are changing. Now a lot of it is orbs, these orbs that are flying around. And, and, and you see that the pattern is changing and they're showing us the complexity of it. So they used to tell people very simple things. Now they're starting to get in to tell people very complex thing. And, and the, I have a book com- coming out called uh, the UFO sky pilots. And I interview in the book, I have 36 people. I think it's 36 to 40 people who claim they have flown the ship. And this includes a 747 United Airlines pilot. It includes the uh, uh, Ramirez, who is the this top CIA guy. It includes um, a U.S. Air Force retired colonel out of Los Angeles. And they all say the same thing. When I say, you flew the craft? Same as Chris Bledsoe. I said, you flew the craft? And he said, yeah. I said, tell me, how do you fly a craft? He said, well, you do it with your mind and you, you go in, you put your hand on a panel, you put your hand on a ball. One of these two things are on a, on a flat, a flat uh, panel or a fat panel on the wall. And then you become one of the craft. And they all say, everybody says the same thing. You become one of the craft. The craft is alive and whatever you think is what the craft does. And then you have guys like Ron Johnson, who said when he sat in the chair, they made him sit in a chair and put his fingers in this, in the, on this thing. And it looked like the chair had been built for him. They said, where would you like to go? And he said, I'd like to go, I'd like to go and see the Milky Way from a distance. And they said, hang on, it's gonna be very intense G-force. He said, within one second, he said he looked out the window, and there in the distance was the Milky Way. So that's like fifty thousand light years or hundred thousand light years. He's outside the Milky Way. Something's seriously wrong with time and space. If that story's true, and other people will tell that story as well. Ramirez tells that kind of story, where he's instantly at a at a planet and stuff like that. It shows us that we've missed that we've missed the boat. We've we've got we've got some things in that we're believing that aren't almost like I think Mark Twain. I've got the quote here. What Mark Twain said: um, "It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so." And I think that's the problem: is that we we sort of believe that we've got all the pieces of the puzzle. We're waiting for that one last piece of the puzzle to come in, and in fact, we've got almost everything wrong. We we don't understand time and space we don't understand uh, all this kind of stuff and that's the, well that's what they're covering up that's what the high level people are covering up in the background and which hopefully people like Elizondo and these people can open this up and, and and point out who these people are and what they're doing the problem is that it's all going to be classified the highest uh, highest secrets in any government are always the weapon secrets so you got always got to remember that they're trying to take this technology and turn it into weapons and uh, so that'll be highly classified stuff, which I'm not sure they'll be able to shake out. But the idea that UFOs exist is already there. And then we're going to get in. I've heard rumors that they're they're going to bring up the the retrievals at the next uh, next uh, 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 briefing. So uh, if that comes out, then uh, you're going to see it all unravel, and you're going to see the consciousness of the of the population 
in terms of everybody's going to start working on it, everybody's going to start talking about it, and we're going to get past this block that we've always had about this crazy UFO subject that that is woo-woo and, and could not possibly exist. How long is it going to take? You've covered quite a lot of ground there, and it's fascinating to listen to. People like you, people like myself, and many people listening to this podcast can accept and understand and and take in those ideas. And even if they're newer to the subject and they're realizing it's not just ETs flying from Mars in a flying saucer and there's different dimensions, realities, different levels of beings and consciousness how do you get the general public to into that conversation? Because even if a Lou Elizondo in front of Congress talks about what he knows, surely some of these ideas are just too much of a leap for even the general public to get involved. How do you bridge that gap and how long could that take? Well, I always say we're no different than any other social or political movement. So you can maybe take, for example, women's right to vote. People don't realize women have only had the right to vote in the United States for the last 100 years. Uh, they were blocked for the first 150 years of the United States of America. And it comes down to the same issue, same way it works with everybody. You have to get the consciousness. You've got to talk about it. And so it really doesn't matter how many bad jokes there are about UFOs or how many bad movies are done about UFOs. Every time it's in Hollywood, every time it's on a, a TV show, it raises consciousness. People become more and more accustomed to the fact that this is real or even like Max Planck said. Um, he, he, he was the guy that just, you know, sort of was the godfather of quantum physics. And he even talked about the, the, the fight back that he got. And he said, new ideas do not change by convincing your opponent that you're right. It comes from this idea that the old people die off and the new generation is not offended with the idea. So the more you get, a, you, you get the young people coming on and the old people die off. The young people are not offended with this kind of stuff. And that's what I said with the um, with the discovery of the, the fact that we were actually UFOs were real. When that was the New York Times, everybody thought it was going to be like, you know, game over. Like everything was going to fall apart. People are going to commit suicide and all this kind of stuff. And basically nothing happened. So I think the consciousness is basically there that if they say there are beings and there are crash saucers, or whatever, everybody's going to go. Yeah, I knew that already. I think it's just going to slide over and it'll just be more and more talk about it. And uh, it's it's not something that you convince the entire public. You even have, I don't know, it was 12 or 13 percent of the United States still believes that the United the world is flat. So you're not really going to convince everybody all the time of, of what it is. What you need to do is is, is the, the main roadblock has always been not the politicians, because the politicians go like this. They take their finger, they get it wet, and they see which direction is the wind blowing. And they'll go in that direction. So now the UFOs are going that direction, and everybody's trying to jump on board. In fact, Stephen Greer in the past actually told this story and the senator escapes my mind. He was fighting with Hillary. But anyway, he had said, Steve made the, the, the pitch to him and he said, we're totally with you. I'll tell you what. He said, you get the parade going. And then once you get the parade going, we'll, we'll, we'll lead the parade. And it's always that thing is to need the votes. They would need to know that there's going to be support. So when, the, when the New York times article in 2017 came out, nothing happened. Everybody was just sort of accustomed to it. And I think the same thing is, is basically if you get into multi-dimensions, you're going to get into, uh, you know, some so very religious people, the ones that were trying to block it, the, the ones inside the Pentagon that believe it's the devil. You're never going to convince those people that, that it's going that way. But you just need to convince the science because I always say science, not the, 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 the politicians will go in whatever direction they want. But if you take the scientific community, I think it was um, John Alexander put out a poll and it was like only a, publicly they, 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 the National Academy of Sciences, which is the top 200 scientists, they polled them. And I think it was only 6% believed in any paranormal phenomena, only 4% believed in God or something like that. It was just like absolutely stunning numbers. Uh, but that's what you need to move. You need to move those guys off the, the line where even like now the Harvard study where they're, they, they're doing the UFOs. They've got Shermer in there, but still they, they, they're, you have this uh, Harvard now working on it openly instead of trying to take John's max, uh, uh, you know, uh, tenure away from him. It's, it's in a position where once science gets a hold of this thing and realizes you can make money because all research basically comes from a government giving money to uh, researchers at universities. So once this is okay that you can get funded for a, U a UFO research project where you're working on free energy, where then it takes off. Right now, nobody in the academic community will touch this thing. 
because you, you can't get funding. And if you do get it, you're going to lose your tenure or nobody will talk to you. Even um, Josephson, uh, the guy that won the Nobel Prize, and he talked about the fact that he believed in ESP and he was not allowed to work with graduate students. This guy won a Nobel Prize. And that's the thing. Even a Nobel Prize guy can be ostracized. But that's not going to happen anymore because we're over that hump of UFOs existing. So scientists will move. And that's what we needed. We needed scientists to, to jump on board and stop start doing projects on it, start working on it. And it'll go on from there. It really doesn't matter if all the public believes all you need is the funding to be given into the areas that we need them and scientists to work on it. And you're going to see a lot of research come out and a lot of answers coming out that the government really can't stop. Do you expect to see a further U.S. congressional hearing this year? Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I hear, keep hearing rumors and they uh, they keep pushing that they're they're going to get this. And it'll be a big one. I mean, if they do, uh, my my understanding is that they're going to try to put in Lou Alzando and people like that. And if they get this uh, immunity thing, uh, this is going to be a big, big hearing. I mean, it's going to be major news in terms of not just UFO sightings, but the fact that they have bodies, the fact that they have uh, crash material and that they've been working on this for many years. I mean, I think that will be sort of big. But whether it happens this year or next or whatever, uh, the Congress is basically in a situation where uh, you can now stand up for it. Uh, you're actually sort of an outsider if you're not you're not on top of this and you're not supporting this. So it, it has, unlike anything else in the United States, it has both parties on board. You know, you don't have people fighting with each other. Everybody's trying to uh, get this thing. And that's what I said about uh, Gillibrand is that people got to realize she ran for president in 2020. And guess who backed her? Guess who talked her into it? Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton was a disclosure woman. She's the one that wanted to be the disclosure president. And because she lost the election, it didn't happen. They, they went ahead with it anyway. But Podesta uh, is has been pushing in the background. He's been pushing Biden. So I think you're you're going to see this thing, whether it's this year or next. But the next hearing will be a big hearing. It'll be uh, not uh, government people that are clued out and not read in. It'll be uh, uh, people who have a need to know. I'm, I'm getting actually very, very impressed with uh, people like uh, Lou Elizondo and Semi Van in the fact that they have pushed this as far as they have. I mean, to, to get to the point where you've got a Senate hearing, you've got, uh, you know, stuff right into the record. All the senators are on board. They're all, they've all been briefed and stuff. Never would I have believed that was going to happen. And it happened very fast. People think, oh, when, you know, when's it going to happen? Because it's like the Western society always wants everything yesterday. They want everything and they want it yesterday. So we're saying, well, when's it going to happen? But you got to remember, it's only been five years till we got to the point where, uh, people said UFOs exist. Before then, the government was still saying this is total nonsense. You remember back to the the uh, the Obama days when Obama was asked the question, and his science advisor spokesman came out and said, uh, "There, you know, there are no UFOs and there's no cover up and all this sort of stuff." That was the that was the thing until five years ago. Now it's a completely different world. It's like completely different, and it's just it's it's rolling along way faster than I thought it would. So I would not be surprised if this hearing was in the next month or two months or whatever. I, I'm very impressed at how much these guys have worked in the background and how they've been able to um, move the system and, and get this thing out into the public, which, as I pointed out, uh, Semi Van had said in 2016 to high-level government officials, we're going to do this. We're pushing this thing into the public. The way it was explained to me was the big man was going to be involved and high-level officials are going to come forward and they're going to say UFOs exist and they are going to force disclosure. And they gave me a seven-year time window. This is 2016. So I think seven or eight-year time window. So that everything that I was told in 2016 came to be. The, the, the disclosure, uh, all that sort of stuff. High-level officials came forward, said it was real, uh, and disclosure has taken place. So it's just a matter of what has been disclosed now. We've got UFOs disclosed. Uh, the next thing definitely everybody's going to push is the bodies and the uh, recovered material. Jim Semivan is a name you have mentioned several times, Grant, and I'm curious on your take that the direction to the stars has gone in, focusing heavily on their media wing. Uh, Jim Semivan recently was on the conference call with Tom DeLong, and they're very much focused on Monsters in California coming out, talking about the phenomenon and different phenomena attributed to UFOs through the media, through movies, through the fiction books, followed by Secret Machines being made into a TV series. Are you surprised Jim Semivan's still staying so close to Tom DeLong, or is this something you would expect? 
Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, you got to remember, there's a story. I don't know if you remember the story. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Chase Brandon from the CIA who came forward a book called The Christo, Christos Conundrum. And it was a, a fictional book that was written about how the CIA had handled Roswell. This is 2012. Well, he was, his job for the CIA, he was the uh, Hollywood uh, guy for the CIA. So if you were doing a movie in Hollywood and you had the CIA, Chase Brandon would come up to you and say, Andy, I hear you're doing a UFO, are you doing a movie on uh, CIA? Yeah. Uh, do you know how the CIA works? Have you ever met a CIA agent? No. Would you like to come to CIA and check it out so you get it accurate? And that's what you do. Instead of fighting people, instead of you know trying to put people down and fight people, you walk along with them, get along with them and try to guide them in the direction you want them to go. So it's not unusual that the CIA is going to try to manipulate or pressure uh, Hollywood and TV to put out the message they want put out. CIA are good guys. Uh, we tried to save the country. And I think that's what, what's going on with Tom DeLonge, that Jim Semivan, as I was told, was the guy that set up the New York Times, Washington Post and political. He's the guy that set up the original drop. He's a guy that's an expert at uh, dealing with media and how the story gets uh, taken out and stuff like that. And so um, I'm not surprised that he would stick in there because that's what Tom DeLonge is doing. He's not a scientist, so he can't work on the, the science angle of it. Uh, uh, and he's just a guy who wants to make money out of everything. You know, he tried to buy this the Chris Bledsoe story. He, you know, I don't know if he, if he bought the Lazar story. I think he bought the Lazar story. So he's trying to control these stories and make money out of these stories. And that's what I say is that's very, very powerful. The Hollywood thing, people don't realize how powerful that is because a skeptic will sit there and turn on the TV and say, oh, this will be a good laugh. I'll watch this. And he, he watches the show without being offended, without someone sticking in his face and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And he watches it and he doesn't realize He's being brainwashed, that he's, he's, his ideas are being changed. And that's what happened. Kids are watching, you know, uh, 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 stories. There was even the, the, the Disney just put out the thing, uh, what was it called? The Soul, the, the movie. And yeah, well, yeah. yeah, and people don't realize there was people from uh, the Institute for uh, the um, uh, Ions that were advisors to that movie. That's how it works. You put the advisors in there, you get the story right, and you put the story out. And people, that's what changes consciousness. It's not so much me coming to you and convincing you that, that you're wrong and you give up and you put up the white flag. That's never going to happen. It's slowly the way they manipulate. So it's very important. I think Jim Semivan realizes this education thing through Hollywood, through stories, is very, very important. That it is shifting the 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 mentality of the of the public because you get millions and millions of people watching, and especially kids who will watch it and assume that's the way it is. They don't hear the skeptical stories. They don't hear that kind of stuff. And it does move the the needle quite a bit. Even now, I mean, in the old days, you'd have, you know, one documentary every two years and everybody get all excited. There's a documentary coming. Now it's like on TV. Every TV show has it. Everybody realizes this is big numbers you can get with UFO stuff. So it's inundating people and people are being brainwashed. They're being uh, sort of given this idea that all this, you know, interdimensional stuff is is possible. And there's people coming from other dimensions and stuff like that. I don't think people will be surprised at all. I think what the holdup is, what what they're trying to block, is the fact that this is such powerful technology. I always said this is going to make uh, nuclear weapons look like matchsticks. The power that that's involved and the ability to go into people's heads and 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 stuff like that. This the the mind part of this thing. And they've known about this. They had the me the memo to the Canadian government in 1950 that uh, read that the, the American officials also told us that other things may be associated with the flying saucers, such as mental phenomena. And they're not doing very well because they've said if the Canadians are working on it, they're willing to exchange credentials and talk to us about it. So in 1950, they already knew mental phenomena was part of the UFO phenomena. That's something the general public, that's something that even the UFO community hasn't caught on to yet. A lot of people will now be using the word consciousness. I don't think they realize what they're talking about. This is really what it's all about. It's this whole idea that uh, consciousness is the basis of the universe and uh, this idea that you can maybe even meld a bird with a piece of metal and move that that uh, biological uh, knowledge about how to fly into a piece of metal. I'm sure that kind of stuff is what they're working on on the leading edge. And uh, I think they'll be damned if they're going to let that into the public. They're, they're just not going to because they'll say, well, the Russians will pick it up. The Russians are working on it. The Chinese are working on it. we got to get it first. And it all comes down to this thing about what's called lead time in military, even in, like the, nu the nuclear bomb. So you drop the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and they, they go to the, the emperor in Japan, and they say, well, they dropped these two atomic bombs. Okay, well, let's make an atomic bomb and drop it on them. And they say, we can't. 
takes seven years to build. And that's the whole idea. Even if you're one day ahead of your op opposition in terms of getting the secret, you can win the war. It's all got to do with lead time. Who's who's got the thing, and can you fight back if you've got if you have to use your your super secret nuclear uh, weapon? And that's what I think it's all about. It's about weapons. It's about protecting that idea that there, this technology, even the, some of the technology you see, the consciousness technology, where Chris Bledsoe, I talked to him about it, and I have uh, a couple of um, Terry Lovelace talks about it as well. And this is stuff that just blows your mind that that the people describe. They go to the craft. The craft is 30 feet, 30 feet across. They go inside the craft, and it's the size of a football stadium inside. I mean, that kind of technology, when you see the CIA, you, you go, well, like, wow. Or what I said, and th this has actually been confirmed now, that the, the all the money, the $22 million, went to ASAP. really didn't go to ATIP. They weren't really, as far as I'm concerned, really weren't interested in UFOs. They were interested in Skinwalker Ranch, the orbs, the cattle mutilations, uh, the what are the twenty ports where they made things disappear, reappear. Where the wife goes in, she takes all the groceries out of the bag, he puts them puts them in the in the in the in the in the shelves, and then she goes to the next room, comes back, and all the groceries are back in the bag. That's what they wanted to investigate because you can just imagine if they like when these three guys you they always tell the Skinwalker's story. These three guys who were so scared they can't go back to the ranch. What happened there is these guys were armed and they were hunting the skinwalker and they were walking down that road and they got a voice in their head that said, leave, you are not welcome. And they were so scared. They they they, they left these, these special forces guys and they, they were afraid to go back and they went back to their house. It was this, this, uh, this hitchhiker effect, which happens in all paranormal phenomena. It goes back and haunted their families and stuff. The, the voice in the head, I mean, if you can do that to your enemy, just go in there and talk in their head. That's what the intelligence would like to have. That's what the cover-up, I believe, is all about. It's that kind of technology. That there, it's not the fact that UFOs exist. It's the fact that it has this absolutely unbelievable ability to uh, whoever gets it will rule the world. And uh, it comes down to the Americans are going to get it before anybody else. And, uh, you know, some people have, you know, trillions of dollars that they've thrown into this to try to back engineer this thing to get this this technology. And even in the Wilson leak, you'll see that in some ways they have not been able to do it. In the Wilson leak document, at the very end, it says, we have a craft, we think it will fly. And that means they have a craft that's intact, totally intact, but they can't turn it on because you need a consciousness interface to turn it on. They can't turn the craft on. They've got it, but they can't turn it on. And so it's that kind of stuff that they're working on to try to solve and they don't want to solve it in the open public so that the Russians will pick it up and, and develop it before you will, because it's a game of cards. So if you're playing a game of cards with the Russians or Chinese, you put your cards down on the table and then the Chinese say, oh, we're not going to put our cards down on the table. Thank you very much. And walk off. And they've got the one piece that, that, that they needed. You put your cards down. So nobody wants to put their cards on the table because they're all missing pieces of the puzzle and they're not going to give the opposition a piece of the puzzle. Grant, just in the last few minutes we have together, I want to ask you some listener questions. I had quite a lot sent in to me, so we'll, we'll try and get through a couple of these okay. if you don't mind. Yeah, um, from Davy Johnston, uh, he would love to know whether you feel the phenomenon is actively engaged in influencing us through the three eyes, insight, imagination and intuition. Absolutely. That's what it's about. It's a, if you, you look at John, at uh, Bob Bigelow, when they asked him, what was Skinwalker Ranch about? You had the ranch all those years. What was going on? He said immediately, messaging. It's all about messaging and it's about games. They play games with the thing and it's about messaging. They're sending messages uh, to us. Uh, this is this whole idea. It's going to be very spiritual. It's going to be uh, this idea that th these are just beings. Uh, all the world's a stage, all the men and women and aliens are but actors. They have their interests and exits. It's this whole idea that we may have agreed with them. It's these soul contract ideas and all this very complex stuff that, uh, as, as I think some people have said, we are the aliens, they are us, that we are, we are connected with them. So it's basically our higher self or these higher beings who have come in and it's all about influencing us. That's, uh, I call it the theory of wow. Why do they have lights on the craft? So you can see them grade one class in the in ETU land or wherever it is, say, how are we going to get a message to these people? Oh, let's put lights on crafts and fly them around. And so that's what they do. Because I always ask people when they see a UFO, I say, what was it doing? And they go, wasn't doing anything. And I say, how long did it last? Oh, just a couple seconds. Anybody see it? No, just me. And then you realize, like, do you think it, was, you, it wanted you to see it? Yeah, I think so. And people say this all the time. It's this idea that people are playing these, these games, they've agreed to it. 
and you're not in it for by accident. You didn't get into the UFO thing. Yeah, it's all about influencing. It's all about, uh, but the way they do it is not the way the Americans do it. The Americans go into Iraq and say, we're here to bring you freedom, democracy, Jesus, and McDonald's. And next thing, everybody's pointing guns and they're inside the, the blue zone and they're, they've got barricades and trying to save themselves and stuff like that. It's basically them in, giving us these hints, giving us these little breadcrumbs and forcing us to figure it out for ourselves. They're, they're not going to step in, as the Canadians were told, unless there's a nuclear war, we're not going to step in uh, other than a nuclear war, we're going to allow the human race to stew in its own juices. So yes, it's all about influencing. It's all about them trying to give us messages that we're destroying the ecology and they really don't like nuclear weapons. They don't like the war stuff. And that's why you see all the stuff around military, the 100, 100 uh, UFOs around. Uh, this is all messaging. It's all about messaging. Dave Smethurst asks, what do you think the influence of the Collins elite is today on Disclosure? You reported in Do You Believe in Magic that many in the CIA were believers in the end of days. Was this linked to the Collins elite? I don't think the Collins elite has as much power as it has before. That's just basically going to be uh, sort of your red states, the southern states where uh, the religious idea is very, very strong. I think they've lost a lot of power by because they can't really speak out. They're sitting in the background and uh, they've gone after Lou Alessandro trying to, to stop it. I think they'll, they'll try to throw wrenches in it, but it's way beyond that. One it's as again, it's, it's CIA. You're, you've got it actually in, in Congress and Congress is uh, going to shake this thing loose. And people like Lou Alessandro and uh, um, um, Sheehan and people like this are going to give them the clues as to where to look and uh, it's a different branch of government. I don't think they're going to stop. I don't think the Collins elite, these religious people, have as much power as they used to have. Because uh, I think it's it's way beyond that anymore. It's it's out in where nobody can stop it. It's it's rolling. And once it, it's like a snowball. Once it starts down the hill, you just get out of the way. This thing is going to roll. And final question from Stuart. What does Grant think the ultimate outcome of CE5 contact attempts such as Jimmy Blanchett's work will lead to? Um, I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to break it because it's, again, we put the message out. We showed how Jimmy Blanchard had had actually got a code and he had decoded this thing and showed the message and stuff. And everybody just went, yeah, whatever. You know, it's just like people don't. I think it's only the crash saucer stuff that will affect people. There's a lot of people getting messages. There's two women in, in Great Britain who have contact with the beings. And I've, I've actually gone through the first the one woman and I've talked to the beings and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of people who have direct contact, even uh, John Burroughs, and he, he's, he's keeping his thing secret. But in his, uh, his regression tape, he goes into a direct contact. He's actually talking to the aliens. And that's why he doesn't want to release the, the tape, because it'll appear like he's totally crazy. So you get this kind of stuff where there's a lot of people uh, claiming contact, and they're the people you got to listen to. Uh, you don't want to listen to the government necessarily because they may not know. It, and and a lot of government people have realized that's what they said to Chris Bledsoe. And Chris Bledsoe said to them, because he, he's had everybody there. He's like shown a general how he flew the craft, a U.S. Air Force general. He's had CIA, NSA, uh, uh, you know, uh, ONI. Everybody's been there and NASA and stuff like that. And he said to them, he said, why, how come you, you government guys are always at my place? What's why, why do you have to come to see me? And he said, well, the one guy said, well, they don't really talk to us. Uh, they seem to be talking to you. So we want to know what's going on. And that's what you need to do. And that's what I've done for a number of years is you go to the people who are actually in contact with the with the beings who have been on board the ship, who are getting the messages. And, and they're the ones that have the, the message. The, the UFO sightings just show us that something's going on. But you got to get past the UFO sightings and you got to get to uh, finding out people who have interacted with the beings and find out what they what they have. Because a lot of it is just show. Like, for example, the metals, I believe, is just a ports. I even said to Hell put off. I said, come on, Hell. I mean, they come across the galaxy and then little pieces start falling off the craft. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, this is total nuts. It's like the theory of, wow, they're going along and say, hey, let's drop a piece of metal. And they're already get them going. And then they go and they analyze it. And the, the, the isotopes are wrong in one part and, and good in another part. And the same piece of metal, the isotopes are different, two different types of isotopes. And then they say, well, this could be made on Earth. That's how you you raise consciousness. Every you can't figure it out; it doesn't get you anywhere. But it again confirms we aren't alone. There's something going on. Something's visiting us, and that's what they're trying to do. And according to the the core story, uh, they may not be doing very well, which is maybe why they try to put this thing in the in the public so that that ordinary scientists can work. Because I, I always tell the story about the core story where Hal put off Eric uh, Hal put off uh, Jacques Vallée and Kit Green met at Denny's restaurant. 
and they've confirmed the story's true. They met at a Denny's restaurant and they said, there's all this garbage in the UFO community. And this is before the internet and stuff. There's all these weird stories going. We don't know what to believe. What do we know for sure? And what they came up with, we are being visited by something. Uh, there has been a crash. Technology has been recovered. And we aren't doing very well back engineering the technology. That, I think, is the situation. That's why they're trying to put it out in the public. Because when you get it in the in the classified world, you got one piece of the craft, I got another piece of the craft. You're not talking to me. I'm not talking to you. No, there's no cross connection, uh, and that's why it's all falling apart because all the classification. So if you get it into the white world where ordinary scientists can get it, it's all public, and they they that's what they're, they're hoping is that the white world will help if, and unlock some of the things they haven't unlocked. Unfortunately, still in the background, these military people will be sitting there waiting for the white world to get these secrets and they're going to be converted into weapons, uh, which is just exactly opposite of what the beings want, want to happen. This, this idea that we're going to use it to kill people and, and to go into people's heads and stuff. So uh, it, it's going to, it's going to come out because you've got a lot of white world people who are now accepting it scientists and it's going to be worked on and you're going to see a lot of answers. I think this thing is going to roll really fast from now on. I, I'm, I'm shocked at how fast it's gone. And I would not be surprised anything happening now in terms of disclosure. It's it's me me. It's it's over. It's it's as as John Lear used to say. It's all over except for the screaming and crying. And and I think that's the where where we're at. It's it's rolling and there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. Grant, it's always an absolute pleasure, and I do mean that to speak to you. You've been fascinating. Uh, do you have a timescale on that book, UFO Sky Pilots? Because that does sound fascinating. When that could be getting released. I actually have six books coming out, but my, my editor just got a job. So she's in Ontario now, Desta Barnaby. And so it will be during the winter because she they, they build ponds in people's backyards. So that'll go till probably October. And then she's going to work on the book. That'll be one of the, I'll have, that book is coming out. And a book on a ports and manifestations, which happens a lot in the UFO community where, where things are dropped, pieces of metal, uh, all this kind of stuff and, and reappear and disappear and stuff like that. So those would be two of the books I, I've got coming out. And I got a book coming out on what I learned in 46 years of UFO research. I have about six books coming out. They'll be coming out, say, October to uh, next April. I'll be picking those up, and I'm sure plenty of listeners will too. Grant, again, thank you very much for your time. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet, and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad-free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO UAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. Meditative game of state full on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. Then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was red. My boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and they think I should seek therapy, and I don't know what it is, because it doesn't really scare me. Consider your lies, consider your life, consider your eyes. Listen.